This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Up to date and credible. Power 102 Digital. And every time I buy some doubles, I do indeed ban my belly. 16 after 7 o'clock, thank you so much to the amazing folks out at Bermudez. Make us a crack your vital supply. Pick yours up today. Put one in the office, put one in your bag. I had one in my backpack yesterday and that was my lunch. Amen to that. Keep it in the car, in the maxi. The truck. You delivery man do have time sometimes. It's a good snack. Alright. So thank you so much to the wonderful folks out at Bermuda's the makers of Cricks, your vital supplies. Alright, of course. The guys are back and of course we'll give you the results of our morning poll before we get into our guest. We have Mr. Saren Richard. She's already online. Um let's get the results of the poll, gentlemen. So our poll this morning was do you agree with the full resumption? of physical school in Trinidad and Tobago on April 19th. We had 20 people voting on the poll this morning in the allotted time. 19 of you said yes, one of you said no. So the vast majority said yes, they do agree with the resumption of physical school on April 19th across Trinidad and Tobago. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, throughout programming, and we give you the final results tomorrow, well, not tomorrow morning, on Thursday morning, because tomorrow is a holiday. Mm-hmm. First one for the year. All right, so let's introduce our guest this morning. Uh, we have Mr. Seren Richards. Good morning to you, Seren. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning to you and good morning to your listeners, viewers. All right, of course. Once again, welcome to the Power Breakfast Show. You're seeing um, the man who has the best face for radio, Paul Richards. Also, the best face of radio again, Richard Ragubarasing. Yeah, morning, Seren. Morning. How are you going? Everything's all right? I'm okay. Paul, how are you going? I'm good, good. Uh, good to see you. Uh, I know uh, you also would have had your memories of blacks. Can you get to chime in? Uh, yeah, that's so tragic. That's so tragic. We're we just losing our icons, you know? And I think over the last few years, we lost quite a few icons. We lost blacks we lose and a number of them so it's always a, it's always something to reflect on and all the kind of good they joy they spread and how they make you feel over the years yeah, I know, blacks, I know will Juice, certainly, blacks will certainly be missed i can tell you that juice man must be in a mess because he we, he was very close to singing sanjo so so that's and he's a musical director of all stars so i know he must be just inconsolable at this time and, having and his close friends and I know also blacks connected with the younger folks and the older folks. So it is really, you'll be whisk, missed in a, in a more widespread way. Because all younger folks in Trinidad identify with blacks and his music and his, the joy that he, he brought, you know, to the lives of people. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Almighty, so, so what can we do? We have his music. We we'll celebrate him. And continue to enjoy his music. All right, our substantive topic, of course, is national security and the prison service. 
We had uh, another prison break recently. Uh, and I know when the past minister, or the previous minister, I should say, of national security, when it was Stuart Young, there were quite a number of promises and assurances given to the members of the Prison Officers Association with you at the president, in, including also the issue of the safety of prison officers. Let's start with the issue of the, the prison break. Uh, were you surprised? Well, I mean, to start with, Paul, wherever there is a prison, there will be prison breaks. And I just want persons to know that. I want the people to know that once you have prison establishment, you will have prison breaks. You know, I can counter um, that. What, I know, what, what, I know what, prisons. I know prisons around the world where there are no prison breaks. Yeah, I can, I can easily breaks. counter At that. At some point in time, Paul, Paul. There are, there are some prisons yes, around the world be, where yes. there have never been prison breaks. Yes, Paul, and there will be exceptions to the rules. Mm -hmm. But in a general sense, where there are prisons, there will be prison breaks, attempts at prison breaks and so on. Um, but in, in, our, in our circumstance, I, I believe a lot could have been avoided had we implement all the things that we needed to implement or had we in, updated infrastructure and do all the things that are necessary to prevent or to heighten security and to prevent. We, we, we really need to update our prisons. And I say update in all sense of the word update, not just the physical infrastructure, but also um, employ technology to assist with the maintenance of security. I, I, I know a number of initiatives that have been taken over the years, few and far between, but in a general sense, these things happen way too slow. Yeah. It happened way too slow. We would, we would have been complaining and complaining and begging and begging over the years. Why? When... when Ian Allen airs on TV or on, on online or whatever. Every break-in of a house or of a shop or a jewelry store or any business establishment is always followed by CCTV that's showing exactly what happened. But do you know we have the highest, highest security environment in the country? And we don't have CCTVs throughout. Why shouldn't we have, why shouldn't we not have CCTVs to show us exactly what happened in that break? We you know, Saran, I hear you, and we've had these conversations with you before, and it is amazing. I don't know, it's like the the time moves at a different period, pace outside the prison, and in the prison service, it's like time slows down. Everything takes years and years to accomplish. These conversations about improving the situation at remand, where, is where you have a lot of your possible volatile prisoners, um, in the remand section, the issue of the conditions in remand, the issue of CCTV cameras, the issue of um, not being able to use cell phones and jammers, all of these kinds of conversations have been conversations we've had over the years on this program. And yet here we are back in 2022, and it's still basically almost the same conversation. It's incredulous. Well, and, and that's and that's the problem. There lies like the problem. Prison doesn't really occupy any real sense of priority in the whole totem pole, I, I, and that's why we always make the point that we are at the bottom of the barrel. But but so, how can that be? You described it perfectly earlier. Am I saying it is arguably the highest security risk environment in the country, where you are housing three thousand five hundred remandees. And in the maximum security, of course, it's the, 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 the lifers, as they call them. How can the prison 
not be a priority? Well, that is not a question for me to answer. I mean, we make it a priority. We, we always come on the airwaves and the audiovisual media and so on and talk about the issues, argue about the issues, have meetings with our stakeholders, treat you with the issues. So it's a matter for the other stakeholders to answer that question. I don't know. Maybe maybe prison do not, and that is a talk that you would have heard over and over over the years. Prison doesn't really bring in any revenue or substantial revenue to the coffers of the state, and other agencies do. So uh, on the on 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 the basis of that, they don't feel prison should get all that priority in terms of spending. The other the other hypothesis is that um, prison house criminals persons who who did society wrong and there's no real motivation by society through the government, through the government, of course, to really pay any meaningful emphasis on the prisons. But when something happens, everybody cry out, everybody asks the question, why this happened? Why that happened? How, where, who, who allowed that to happen? But I'll tell you who allowed it. The neglect over the years is facilitating a lot of things that are going wrong in the prison service. Yes, I want to applaud the government under Keith Rowley for doing over the remand because at the end of the day, the remand prison goal and go is now being refurbished and re-outfitted and so on. Thanks for all those years of begging. Um, the, the government finally um, answered the call on that. But development in the prison is happening again, as, as, as I mentioned, way too slow. And if prison is prone for incidents, there's no if, but, or maybe. When you don't have the correct infrastructure, the correct security measures, you will get issues in a prison service. You will get issues. Persons are held against their will. Persons who are inclined to be deviant, who, who, who may have committed infractions against good order and discipline in your country, are the ones that have been held there under those types of conditions. And you have a situation where to the courts, the judiciary in Trinidad, in my view, I, I describe it as the mother of all evils, Paul. It is largely dysfunctional and it is not delivering justice on time. Persons are spending years, years in prison without, without a, a, a trial being concluded. I mean, that, when you put all these things in the pot, you, you have an environment that is ripe and prone for problems. So we will continue doing our job. We'll continue crying out. My office, as president of the Prison Officers Association, will continue advocating, continue highlighting the issues, and continue pointing fingers where fingers need to be pointed as well. But we need to do better. We need to do better. I'm employing the government of Trinidad and Tobago. I know that you all are doing some work at the remand prison, and we applaud you for that. We are, we are asking you humbly to double and triple the efforts because that concoction that exists within the prison environment coupled with the fact that <clears throat> over the years we haven't really updated our infrastructure in any substantial way is ripe for problems and it will continue to yield problems. The other thing that I did mention in other programs, we are not focusing on areas that we need to focus. We have contracts being given to persons um, amounting to millions of dollars to, 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 to deliver services that we don't need. We don't need, and, and, and I dare call that hemorrhaging of state funds. I dare call it hemorrhaging. Because what, what kind of services it. are you talking about? Give us we an example. Security services to move inmates from point A to point B. We have millions of dollars. And the reason why I keep talking about that project, 
I keep talking about that project over the years, and Paul, you will be a witness to that. It's because the amount of monies being spent or allocated to that service that is not bringing any real return on it or, 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 of investment. You're talking about is, justice and time. That's correct. It is not bringing any real tangible um, um, return of investment that we can see we're looking to going to build and develop the service. I, I said that that is a way of hemorrhaging. What what part of the, that service are you talking about? Because justice and time takes inmates from the prison to the courts. We haven't had we haven't had physical courts for a while. We're not resuming physical courts. No, no, we don't have physical court for a while, but it is continue unabated internally, moving inmates from one building to another building inside the prison compound, and large amounts of monies are still being charged. So, so, and, and I wanted confirmation on this because I've heard this story before. And, and added to that, I understand there's a building that has been under construction to, to, uh, to, for court services, virtual court services on the compound. Is that for building years. completed? For years. Is for it completed? Years. It is not completed. It started under the last administration. Continues under this administration is yet to be completed. I don't know what is going on. I don't know. So that, and I understand it's it's, it's under construction for over ten years. That's my information. Over ten years, right? Correct. And that building is supposed to house the technology so that you have the ability to have virtual court cases so for inmates, so that you don't have to transport them from Port of Spain, from from Aruca to Port of Spain, etc. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and that is building is under construction for 10 years. And that, and, and, but you just made an interesting point. Why do you, if you have a pr prison officers manning Golden Grove, why do you need justice and time to move inmates from building A to building C? Because we have, we have over 100 drivers sitting down in a garage doing nothing. Prison service drivers getting paid doing nothing because the government of Trinidad and Tobago isn't buying vehicles for them to drive. Over 10 years, we have not updated our prison fleet. And, and, and while we're paying the drivers, which will amount to millions of dollars, we also have to pay a private security company millions of dollars to transport persons to and from video court inside a compound. <laughs> and the Prison Officers Association, Paul, and again, you all will be our witnesses. We have been asking for vehicles for years. We do not have enough vehicles. We do not have enough vehicles. We hired drivers just recently. So our driver fleet, I, I am a prison supervisor at Golan Grove, and I have drivers that I cannot use because there's no vehicles. So you have, so you have, so you have no vehicles that are, that are operational inside the prison? Extremely few. 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 And, and justice and time. And I'll make no comments It's farcical. It's farcical. I, will, I, will, I have be. brought up this issue of justice and time before, and people feel I have an issue with the private company. No, I don't. I have an issue with, I have an issue with wastage and contracts being given out where they can't. And I guess there's something we don't understand about the situation because I asked a question years ago about whether or not the country was seeing savings since we were on lockdown with Justice and Time. Then Minister of National Security, Stuart, and I want to be accurate, said, yes, there were savings. Now I'm hearing, I'm getting confirmation from you, the president of the Officers Association, that Justice and Time is hired to take prison inmates from building A to building C. I'm just being figurative by the, by, by the symbology. While there are prison officer drivers on contract who cannot do that job 
because there are very few vehicles available for them to take prisoners inside the compound. Absolutely, Paul. That is what is happening. And it is now, very amazing. Tell me. It is very amazing. And and nope, I don't know if that is being addressed, but that is something I've been talking about. I've been talking about the wastages um, of money is public. I will say it plainly because everybody to say it. Somebody needs to keep the contract. Well, Apparently, so. somebody needs to keep the contract, and it's not about value for money for taxpayers in this country. Apparently, not. No, it's not about value because for it's money confusing to me. Well, Paul, it's confusing to me too. It, 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 it is a phenomenon that is happening, and those monies, those monies could have been better spent. If you, for example, one of those payments could have built over all those dormitories with those World War II barracks, those dormitories that those prisoners escaped from. One payment, one payment to that security company can well, have built over all of those. If if the priority is the prisons and the inmates and the officers, if and the that priority is, is that, saying, and that is what I've been saying. So I mean, we I think we take we need to rethink a lot of things that we are doing, and I'm and I'm saying we in the context of the state of Trinidad and Tobago, we need to really rethink what we are doing and and try to focus and emphasize on areas that we need to focus on and not waste resources on other areas that we do not need and that is a primary example of um, of that um, um but um even going forward a lot of implementations that have been promised over the years are yet to be implemented it is really frustrating paul to really sit and be in this type of form over and over year after year month after month year after year talking about these same things i mean i inherited um, the, the president of the Prison Officers Association for my predecessor would have inherited from his predecessor. And I can remember way back in the early 90s, all those times, these are the same things we are talking about. Have, have you had any meetings with newly appointed Inspector of Prisons, Mr. Neptune, yet? No, I haven't met him. I haven't met him. But, but he installed months ago. No, no, I haven't met him, Paul. Right? But that's it's astounding that the, the, the Inspector of Prisons, whose job is to be an independent arbiter of how the prison is run, I'm paraphrasing here, to make sure that, that the, the state has an, uh, an, a mechanism by which it can investigate how the, the prisons are being run, how the officers are doing, how the inmates are doing, the conditions, the conditions in the prison, the security prison. levels in the prison. And Mr. Neptune has been installed, I remember when Minister Hines, and a press conference talking about Mr. Neptune's history in the security services, and he hasn't met with you, the president of the association, yet. Well, it is not, and to be very honest, and to be, and to be quite frank, we have never met, Stephen, except for Dan, Mr. Daniel Khan, we have never met with any inspector of prisons um, in the past. Apparently, you know, are you not an important stakeholder in the whole scenario? Well, we would like to think so. Saron, is it is it is it is it, is it time for the state to consider is it time for the state to consider building an entirely brand new prison that incorporates Port of Spain, Carrera, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and of course of, of course the facilities at Golden Grove. Is is that has that time um arrived? Or is, is it that they merely need to upgrade facilities? Well, I, I'm glad you touch on that point. I'm glad you touch on that point. Over the years, we would have been asking for 
a brand new purpose-built prison facility in Trinidad and Tobago. Given the fact that Port of Spain is over 200 years old, Port of Spain is irrelevant to what we want to achieve in our prison service at this point in time. Because remember, Port of Spain prison was built at a time when um, the state was retributive and prison was built for retribution, not rehabilitation, re reintegration. So there's need for a brand new purpose-built remand facility. And, and what you're talking about, it cannot be one facility because you have remanded inmates who have different type of needs to convicted inmates, right? Who we would like to have programs, we have rehabilitation, reintegration, parole. But isn't that what Golden Grove is for? Well, I mean, Golden maximum security, no sorry, maximum security. Right, you remember maximum security prison was built and designed as a convicted prison, not a remand prison, now we maximum security prison because of the explosion of inmates in, the, in, the remand, in our remand yards. It is now being used primarily as a, a, a maximum security prison, but that is really a, 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 a convicted prison. What we need in Trinidad and Tobago, and we asked for that several times, as a matter of fact, there was a project under Unicot for that, for that, for that realization to take place that's opposite Golden Grove compound. A new brand purpose-built remand facility where that person will be built for purpose so that you can separate and have proper classification of inmates. You can have programs running for those remandees because largely in our system, remandees are not really exposed to programs. It's the, the convicted are exposed, and here is the quagmire. Three-quarters of the remand will never see the convicted section. They will go on, go on, go on for, for over but, a decade. But added to that, added to that, but in 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 the in, in perfect world, that would work because if if a remandee was spending the just time before going to trial, let's say three to five years, if so much, and not 50, 12, and fifteen years, then one would understand why that system could work because they would be either convicted and go into the, the convicted part and, and benefit from rehabilitative and restorative justice programs, as opposed to really basically almost serving life sentences in remand. With no programs, with no... With no programs or anything. So ideally, the system is not working because it's it's messed up. Well, and because the justice is, is back to That's front. That's correct. That's correct, Paul. Absolutely correct. You couldn't phrase it better. So if we... those That judicial system is addressed and it is delivering what it's supposed to deliver in terms of functionality. Then you will have persons passing through the remand, right, for a short period. They will be exposed to con the convicted section where they will be will benefit from rehabilitative processes and, you know, constructive regimes and so you on. You know, you and, and I know that, Saron. You are in the belly of the beast, so to speak. But I could, I could see people listening right now, and I think the politicians know this, that will say times are hard and this is a classic case of understanding the society in and working it politicians that is them them is criminal my child do have school a, a laptop or my child hungry and don't spend no money on them because them is criminal but Paul, look at and, what, and what nobody will advocate for for that group of people although we have a supposed civilized society where people are presumed innocent although uh, incarcerated awaiting trial nobody is going to advocate for more money to build a new prison when you have so many needs outside and that's what the politicians play on because yeah, at the end of the day and what is the result of that what, what result well, that the result of that is that? is over 90% of them will come back out eventually 
more hardened more and hardened. perpetrate That's more correct. crimes. That's correct. And, 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 and the persons who went in for simple crimes that we money had because of the exposure, the contamination will come out hardened criminals as well. They will come out with more resources to commit crime. Resources in terms of... Um, um, but it's a university. It's a That's university. Correct. That's correct. So that is that situation and a system that we that needs to be correct. And it is dysfunctional for far too long. It but, is dysfunctional. But Sarah, no, no matter people's partnership in power, PNM in power, same khaki pants, no pun intended. It doesn't seem to be changing no matter who's in power. Because as I said just now, they understand that the society is not going to go up in an uproar for these 4,000 people the because they are not a valuable cadre of people in terms of putting resources in, in parentheses. Do you know what a politician once told us some years back, Paul, under the last administration, right, which is the People Partnership? Um, the politician was in the minister, minister, um, Ministry of Justice. You remember the Justice Ministry? A yes, politician only told too us, well. could be, yeah, a politician told us that they don't have to take us on. We could shout, we could quarrel, we could beg, we could do what we want. We do not shape political will. What the politician was alluding to is that prison officers numbers only 2,000-something personnel. And a general election, you need much more than that to have any real impact on political outcome. So the politicians say, I don't have to take you on. You don't shape political will. I will so win between, between the 2,000 prison officers and the 4,000 inmates, you're all not big enough to make any dent, so you could show them what you want. That's what the politicians told us. Paul, it was so amazing when that was told us. What is it sad is so people amazing. don't realize that what they're seeing in their front yards and people breaking into their houses is partly as a result of this dysfunctional system. Yeah, because rehabilitation don't work to any real extent. And Paul, I will tell you, there's a fallacy that exists now as it regards to rehabilitation. When, let me look at convicted section quickly in Trinidad and Tobago. Who, who is the convicted section um, um, composed of? It's really persons who commit minor crimes, persons who are ill, drug, ill, they, 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 they have drug problems. Who have a limited so, time in there. They're not, they're not that's lifers. That's correct. That's correct. Persons who come in for one year, two years, maybe three years. They are years, going to come back out. And they're going to come back out. But here's the quagmire in that. They are not really composed of the real hardened criminals because the real hardened criminals, they stay in the room and they are fighting their cases, fighting to get justice, as they say. So those persons who, who when they go, in, go to court, they plead guilty one time, as a city magistrate, they plead guilty. Those are the persons who are drug sick, who, who have issues, uh, you know, who, who, are, who, who are petty thieves, petty crimes, and so on. So the rehabilitation system, the regime, is only targeting those persons because those are the only persons that are being convicted. Whereas the hardened criminals, persons charged for rape, robberies, uh, murders and so on, extortion and all these different things, they are packed up in the remand. So rehabilitative um, regimes don't meet them. They don't meet them. And then they stay there for 10 years, 12 years, and they get more, they, um, they create more disdain towards the state. They are more angry than ever because they are saying, okay, maybe I commit the crime. But why should I have to stay here 15 years, 16 years, 17 years? We interviewed inmates who have as much as 18 years waiting for justice. That is the reality. Wow. Persons at the preliminary inquiry stage, which is at the magistrate level, who are waiting to see if they have a case fitting enough to go up to their sizes, 
those persons are spending seven years, six years, eight years at the preliminary inquiry stage, Paul. Well, the state will tell you, the state will tell you, well, they cannot apply for bail. They cannot apply for bail. You, you mentioned something, let's try to be fair in, 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 in the interview. Are there improvements taking place? Because you mentioned the state is investing in some infrastructural improvements. The Minister of National Security uh, mentioned that they were doing some work. Well, what work is being done and how much has been completed? No, well, at the remand facility, and, and that is where we have to be fair to the government, at the remand facility, Golan Grove, which was our premium remand facility, it is being refurbished at this time. No inmates are housed there at this time. It is being completely refurbished, although in the past we would have opted for, if we had any say, a new brand purpose-built remand facility, but that, does not, that didn't happen. We are getting the remand prison to be refurbished. I think work are due to be completed within the next two, three, two to three months because they are moving with a pace. I must admit they are moving with a pace. And soon we should be able to have remandies again housed in that facility. What does that Those work into? Is it, is it toilet now? facilities? Is it yes, better yes. cells, etc.? It will have toilet and face basins and so on in the cell, which is a more habitable arrangement for inmates. Um, barring the fact that we do have been living in an extremely inhumane surrounding for some time. So that is a light, some light inside the inside the darkness. But the thing, the, what I'm saying, and I'll continue to say, we, these things are taking too long to be materialized. But why it, should it took I problem about 15 it? years. Yeah, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned CCTV cameras earlier on, Saron, and, and the lack of enough CCTV cameras. I'm shocked that five inmates could plan uh, an escape, raise up some galvanize in some portion. Where's out, the video footage? Get out Where's two, the video footage? Get out two perimeter fences, if I remember correctly, from my tour. Two sets of perimeter footage um, fences and get outside without some kind of alarm being raised. Why, why is that? Is that such an easy feat to pull off? Well, given the, the shortages of officers, officers can be all, all about at the same time. Given the lack of those technological resources that we're always talking about, which prison any part of the world, Paul, you tell me, which prison any part of the world is not outfitted with CCTV that, that sees every square inch of that prison? Which prison in this modern world? The reality is a shop, a barber shop, a grocery have more security, CCTV security than the prison. And that is a higher security environment. And I want to say... Now, I want to, I want to ask a question, but I don't want to compromise the security because it will be, it will be irresponsible. What sort of deficit... How, well, I can't ask you how much cameras they have because that would be a security breach, right? So how many more cameras do you think they need? Throughout the Let me ask you that way. Paul, we, 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 we could only see less than 10% less than 10% of the what is happening in the prison in the current situation. We need almost 100% consistent with best practice. I visited prisons in Miami, even little Jamaica, even Jamaica, who happens, and we describe Jamaica as an impoverished state, they were not blessed with the type of resources that we have over the years. But the reality is we visited Jamaica and Jamaica's parole properly implemented they have electronic monitoring and all these things that we like to talk about over the years. Jamaica has better security systems at their prison. 
we were alarmed. Paul, we were virtually alarmed and jealous. And you jealous. are saying less than 10% of the facility is surveilled by CCTV camera. That's I'm shocking. I'm not talking about the entire prison service. Eh? I'm not talking about a facility. I'm talking about the entire prison service. Right? That cannot be a sufficient and adequate um, situation in a prison. That could never be. Because we, the public, should be the beneficiaries of seeing CCTVs as to how, how security was compromised. While, um, while, get, while justice and time continues to get the money to transport inmates inside at the train. Money, money I want to, I want to, before we end, I want to talk about how officers are feeling about their own safety. We've had a spate, fortunately, none in the past couple of months or weeks of officers being killed. That horrible, horrible video of that officer who was killed with his child in hand in South Trinidad. And uh, if the threats continue one, and if uh, there have been moves to, well, I know something is coming in the pipeline to make officers feel safer, which I can't speak about, which I'm sure you, you know, you know, is coming legislatively. Uh, but but, but uh, even that legislation, Paul, I believe, I, I, I believe it should have been, you know, given. I, I know there are other priorities in Trinidad and Tobago, but I believe that legislation should have been in Parliament already. And passed. I, 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 I believe. We believe that that. I is cannot speak. I cannot long. go into a lot of details, but it, it is on the agenda for soon. Okay, I, I'm happy to. That, hear that's that. what I, I, for, I, for obvious I, reasons. That's what I can say. It's, it's, it's on the docket for soon. But you know, the minister and, told me that as well. But right. I still feel it. You but know. I can't go into details for obvious reasons, right? But in terms of officers, do the threats continue? Of course. Once they're in that prison environment, that is a com that is commonplace for threats. The prison, the prison environment is commonplace for threats and the carrying out of threats. It has become culture in Trinidad and Tobago, unfortunately, because we did not put a stopgap measure at, in the earliest time. We did not do it. The, I think in the past, the state has responded very slowly, if not responded at all in some instances to that phenomenon. So we hope that the state ups its ante in terms of treating with threats to prison officers and the eventual carrying out of those threats to prison officers and their families. Are there threats that are deemed eminent? Because I guess there are different levels of threats that officers Yeah, there will always be threats that are deemed eminent, and for those threats, some action are being taken internally and, and to some extent externally. But as a general, as a general principle, we don't have the type of implementations that are common to all, that everybody will benefit in the same way, in, um, in an equitable way, to treat with these things, we don't have powerful legislation that will that will treat with threats. Um, well, we have the legislation, but it's the apparatus that will support the implementation of the legislation. Because we have the litter, the litter act for years, but people is littering all over Trinidad and Tobago because the apparatus to effect the legislation is not there in any significant way. Just like the electronic monitoring. We have that legislation now existing for about three years in China, proclaimed by the president and so on. But the apparatus that give effect to the legislation, they are now trying to work out that and implement after three years. So how much how much of the issue relates to to the some of your officers themselves who are facilitating contraband of course cell and, and Paul, we have to admit we have been reading all those officers. If you look at it, it's very common to hear the prison officers capture one of these officers. I mean, it is not few and far between. We do it as much as we can. As a matter of fact, I dare say 
in Trinidad and Tobago, we heard about a number of organizations being corrupt. We hear about a number of organizations exposed to underhand transactions and so on. We, we hear it on an everyday basis. But when but what is different, and you must admit, Paul, the prison service has been cleaning up. We have been doing it, right? It is common to hear a prison officer being brought before the court, a prison officer being held with contraband, because that is indicative and testimony that we have been trying to read them out. Unlike many organizations over the years, Paul, where we have here corruption exists and no one getting caught at all, we are leading by example in, in, in that regard. And we'll continue to lead by example, catching those rogue officers, setting up sting operations, and getting them out of the system. That is one area. That is one area the association must applaud the prison admin for. The prison admin has been on the ball as in regard to trying to catch officers who are involved in illegal activities and get them out of the system with the association support. That is one area I must admit. I must admit that the prison administration has been working feverishly on and will continue to support them. We'll continue in our attempt to get these rogue officers out of our system, as we have been doing already. Paul, another area that I want to touch on, and I and I want this area treated with, it is very common when you go into the maximum security prison which have a large population of um, lifers, like persons who are conditioned to life in prison, imprisonment and so on, right? Life in prison, sorry, and so on. These inmates are crying out for a part of the law they believe, are, the, the part of their, a part of their rights that are being violated. Paul, the Mercy Committee is not meeting. It is creating a problem in our system. Persons' records are not getting the inmates' records are not being evaluated to determine whether or not they can be exposed to conditional release, right? You see, yeah, when you have a system operating, your system cannot be appear to be dysfunctional or, or, or not working the way it's supposed to work for an extended period of time, right? Because it will put, put persons, it will put inmates at a disadvantage. And it is very common, if I go into the maximum security prison now, I am going to be faced with a, bar with a barrage of inmates talking about that issue. Even at Golan Grove, where I exist and work, operate as a prison supervisor, I have that issue to deal with. Um, persons telling me about Mr. Richards, what about this? What about that? How this ain't working? But who, who, who it is seeing about this and that? So this is a situation that I will want attention be shown. Well, let me ask Richard a question. Is that triggered by the Office of the Attorney General? Just because I think it is. No, no, the Mercy Committee. The Minister of National Security. Yeah, Minister yeah, of National Security chairs the Mercy Committee. But I, I will tell you that I have had correspondence with Mr. Delzin, Senior Counsel, and Ms. Cummings, who I think are, are or were part of the Mercy Committee, who are absolutely frustrated trying to do their jobs on but, that committee. I, I don't know what can be done, Paul, but you see, when you have all these issues, coupled with all the issues we talked about previously, you have an environment that is right, that is right for, 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 for adverse situations that occur. And we have to, at some point in time, Paul, I believe the state have to reconnect or connect itself with the value that prison 
can potentially bring to society. We are disconnected from that. Prison exists for crime prevention. The police service exists for crime suppression. There's a difference between the two in upon. The mere fact that a police is visible on site will deter persons from committing crime. It doesn't necessarily mean it will take away their criminality or their intent to commit a crime. Because from the time the police leave the area, crime will be committed. Prison, on the other hand, is where there exists the long-term treatment for crime. So that is where you have the persons coming in and you try to attend to the criminogenic nature of them to treat with um, causing the person to change, make meaningful changes in their lives so that when they go back out of society, it wouldn't be about um, deterring them from committing a crime anymore. They don't longer have the internal drive or the desire to commit crime. So that is where you have your resources, your resources supposed to accumulate to, to weed out your criminals, to change their mindset and so on. And once the prison service is dysfunctional and not working how it's supposed or designed to work, you will have crime continuing unabated. You will have it continuing. There's a fallacy to be, it is a fallacy, Paul, to believe that the prison service is not an important organization in Trinidad and Tobago. That is a fallacy, an absolute fallacy. If you want crime to continue, and you can check the research, there's a lot of research on crime and criminality and the role of correctional facilities. You know, just go to those Scandinavian countries. Go to those Scandinavian countries where the emphasis is on treating with the correctional facilities, correctional environment, deterring, um, changing criminality and crime and 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 crime intention and so on. And you're look preach, at the you're preaching, look you're at preaching the to the choir. I've done the research. The you're you're preaching there. to the choir. But mm -hmm. as we as we discussed earlier on, it is not. It is seen by politicians in Trinidad Tobago as not valuable in terms of getting votes. And that's no, the bottom line. Yeah, it's, not the bottom line. it's not seen as attractive in that way. And it's not seen, and it's not, not seeing it. The citizenry does not see it through the same lens as you're seeing it, Saron. Because they don't live it every day. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely yeah. correct. That, that's the reality. That's the reality. At the end of the day, a politician once told us, as I told you, a politician told us under the People Partnership, under the Justice Ministry, that prisons can't help them win any election. We are interfismal in the whole scheme of things. We, are, we have no real um, impact on the outcome of elections, so they don't have to listen to us. Singh, you, you would have missed the spot earlier on. Seren said less than 10% of the nation's prison facilities, uh, and I'm just... I'm, Surprise, he said on the air because that's frightening to me. Uh, uh, monitored by CCTV cameras, which is shocking to me. Which, which, not it's not only just shocking, you know, it's it's unacceptable, crazy because the price of CCTV camera systems is not a formidable amount of money that you have to spend to equip prisons with that. Yes, but you have to remember that they have to. You pay money to the transport inside the prison, which is which seems to be one of the priorities. Yeah, because and and I always wonder about that. I mean, I uh, I mean I don't go to the prisons as much anymore, but when I used to, I was used to always be concerned that where the CCTV cameras because it seemed it seems such an obvious thing for a prison system to have CCTV cameras in in not even 2022 from since the 1990s. 
you would think that that's one place where you would have CCTV cameras because it's such a high security environment. For example, and I, I just want to say this quickly, for example, when you're complaining about trafficking within the prison service, if you have CCTVs all over and every square inch of the prison is being monitored, that in itself will lead to crime inside the prison environment as well because it will increase the likelihood a person being caught committing crimes within, within the prison wall. It yeah. is a useful deterrence. It is a serious deterrence, right? So, but not everybody see it that way, unfortunately. It is just, oh. it just, it is just an obvious. It, it's so obvious to, to to the infrastructure of a prison. It's incredible. It's incredulous that it doesn't exist, and that you, as you are saying, less than ten percent. That's incredulous. That that is just a microcosmic explanation of how the, the this prison system is valued and how it's seen let me tell you what's just, tragic just, about just this. a perfect example of it i'll tell you what's tragic about this is that and Saren would know i have been interviewing Saren before he was president and since he's president i am so tired of these conversations mm-hmm. i am so tired of these same conversations over and over with past prisons commissioners with past prison officers, with past ministers of national security, with past ministers of justice. It is so disgusting. That Daniel Kahn report, you don't even need a new prison inspector. The Daniel Kahn report could be picked up, dusted off, and put back into the public domain with 95% of the issues still unresolved. That's so, correct. I mean, or, or get to the point where, where's the point of even talking about it, sadly? But for the, for the, for the, the, the officers who have to live in it and work in it, and for the families of the inmates and those who may become victims because of the high recidivism rates, because of the lack of systemic, systemic change. I just, it's just like, you know what, it's like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Very frustrating, Paul. Very frustrating. Very sad, too, because, I mean... When we're looking at the, the high incidence of crime in Trinidad and Tobago, one would expect that there will be reasonable focus and abundance of focus on the areas that treat with those crimes, on the areas that could have real, real impact on, on, on bringing have down, perfected on bringing the art of, of Mama Guy and too. Old Talk. They've perfected the art because they know, as I said before, most people listening here would be. What do you hear? What they want? They, what they, they, what they want to make them living in Hyatt? What, what they want? I have no water in my tap. I'm a child. I have no laptop. I know you want to build a new prison. That's what you're going to get. Yep. But mm-hmm. what's the aftermath of it? And I don't think... Because they the don't make the connection between the, the poor conditions and the increase in crime. They don't make that connection. They don't make the connection. That one is 802. Thank you so much. Be safe. Right. Unbelievable, this interview. Unbelievable. Uh, thank you, Paul. We will have it again in six months. And you'll see the same thing. We will have the same conversation in six months. We will just pull it up and lay, sleep a little late and play back the interview. And, and you don't have to come out again and we just play back the interview. Okay, boy. We might, we might have a different minister, minister of national security because it seems to be rotating a revolving door. You never know. But if it's the same minister... Oh, I, see, just, I see you know we, something we don't, Paul. If, if it's the same minister, we'll just, there are three already in six years. Where's your point? Have empirical evidence to support McLean, you know. Oh, if it is the same one, we will pull it up. We had um, Edmund Dillon, we had Stuart Young, and now we have Fitzgerald. If it's the same one, we'll just pull it up and play it back. Because that's the only thing need to change. Okay, Paul. Have a great day, BC. Sharon, thank you so much for being on the Power Breakfast Show this morning. 
No problem. The pleasure is mine. All the best to you. Take care. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, re we'll, 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 we'll um, play back that interview, and in six months' time, it'll be the same thing. All right, let's get into our news brief. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.